If you are a freelancer and you're on your own, maybe you've got some feast famine cycles or things are starting to get busy and you don't know how to quite handle everything. We cover a whole range of really good topics with my guest today. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use their stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. Hello, welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. I'm your host, Jules Dan. I've got a really good episode for you today with a killer dude from Columbus, Ohio. His name was Josh Hall. You may have heard him from Josh Hall Web Design. He's got his own podcast called The Josh Hall Web Design Show. That's a lot of Josh Hall in one sentence. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting to have a chat with him because I said, hey, Josh, I don't want to talk about web design on a podcast today. He's like, oh, he had like a sigh of relief. He's like, oh, thank God. And uh, yeah, so I really wanted to dive into his journey. His journey was really fascinating because he went from, say, making cabinets full for nine bucks an hour to doing uh, you know, a fledgling side hustle to a full-time freelancer to web design agency, selling the agency, doing the, and then having a membership and content creation and YouTube channel on the side. Like, we didn't go into the full nitty-gritty of, like, the agency of him selling the business and the membership, but we got into the, the nitty-gritty of the journey of him going from, like, no job to side hustle to full-time freelancer to into his web design agency. I thought it was really fascinating. A lot of gems to pick up in this. And again, if you want to learn more from Josh, I'm going to link his podcast. And if you want to ask him more questions, you know, I'm going to leave his email there too. Other than that, enjoy the show with Josh Hall. Hey, this is Jules Dan from Storytelling Secrets. I'm joined by Josh from joshhall.co. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Jules, thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I really appreciate it. We, we were going to talk about, I had you on because I know you're a website expert, but there's something really in particular that I'm really curious about, and that's about how we went from, I think I phrased it before, from being the technician to the business owner to the educator. And that transition is, I think, something we, we all really want to do in our business at some point. But I'd love it if you could, you know, take me back to a little bit before the doer stage, before you were the web designer to um, where you are today. So sort of like the cliff note story. And then I'm, I'd love to sort of just unpack everything that's gone in. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Happy to share a little bit about my journey and hopefully it'll resonate with your audience and, and get some people inspired. So I guess the best place to start is the fact that I have a different path than, which I think most web designers in particular have a different path than the typical four-year degree in upper education. Um, I was in a band. I was a drummer in a rock band and that was my thing. And I was playing around. I was also a, uh, a cabinet maker for a tour bus customizing shop, and I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were traveling around doing the weekend warrior stuff all over the states, and I was a, a cabinet maker, and I got laid off. And when I got laid off in 2009 from my tour bus customizing shop, we were doing the band thing, we were playing a lot of shows, and I decided I'm going to try out Photoshop. I always liked design. I had fun in art class in high school. So 
I dove into Photoshop the day after I got laid off, and then I started doing the artwork for my band. So I started creating our T-shirt designs, our CD artwork, and all that stuff. And then I'll never forget it. We were playing a festival, and somebody asked me who does our artwork, and I mm. said, well, I do. And they were like, how much would you charge to do our stuff? And I was like, holy <laughs> cow, I can make yeah. money at something I actually enjoy. I don't have to build cabinets or kill myself to make some money. So that's what really planted the seed for me to enter the design world. And then I began doing CD artwork, working with a lot of different bands, um, and then learning Photoshop, Illustrator, and then I got into web design. Church I was going uh, to at the time just found out that I was doing uh, graphic design, and they were like, hey, would you help us with our website? Yeah. And I was like, sure, I don't know anything about web, but I'll give it a go, and, and that's kind of what got me going with websites. And then um, soon after that, I transitioned to, to start doing freelance web design. So that's kind of what got the ball rolling for me. Interesting. Okay, so are you still playing drums at all? Uh, not too much these days. I don't know if we're doing this on video, but I, I'm wearing my girl dad t-shirt. Uh, I do have two little girls. Uh, I have a, a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, so pretty busy family-wise. So yeah. don't have much time to uh, light up the skins, but uh, I still I still have the chops. I still got the chops, so I'm excited to uh, to bust it out here eventually. Have you got like this little room where it, it's sacred? It's Josh's sacred room. It's like when daddy's upset <laughs> well the the uh we're, we're building a house right now and the plan is to have some more room because right yeah. now uh my drums old pearl as i call her uh, yeah. she's packed up right now so yeah, it's even got a name the, oh, that's the next step there's yeah. a ta there's attachment to it there's a, there's a, <laughs> that's it. where did the name pearl come from uh it's a pearl branded drum set so oh okay yeah I thought it was gonna be something with pearl Real original no. one just called it pearl yeah right <laughs> <laughs> all right so um so you jumped from photoshopping to to web design. What year was that? That was 2010. So oh. I, I don't want to get too technical on everybody because I know you're yeah. dealing with a lot of coaches and consultants. So I'm not going to bore everybody with technical stuff. But um, there is a very popular platform called WordPress, which is what I yeah. use and what I teach my students through. And I actually started hand coding websites before I got into WordPress. So uh, it was very technical. Uh, wasn't ideal in the beginning for me. I much mm. preferred the design element of things. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started into it. And then, man, once I discovered WordPress and I started doing freelance web design for clients in the band world and then eventually in my local community, uh, that's when it really kicked off for me. And that's when I started my web design business back in the day. Yeah, okay. So I want to touch on that a little bit. Um, also curious, did were web pages available back in 2010 or is, you had to hand code everything wordpress i think gained a lot of popularity in 2010 in fact mm -hmm. i remember i was just somewhere and some guy that i had had run across was in web design at the time and he was our, like a professional web designer and he was like you should check out this tool called wordpress and i was like oh that sounds I, I heard it was like a blogging software and i thought mm -hmm. it sounded complicated well, that was shortly before the days of themes and, and builders for websites. Uh, but WordPress was really gaining some popularity then. And then the couple of years after that, it just started to blow up. Okay. So you got there early, which, which sounds pretty good. How did you, this is the age old question. So many people want to ask, how did you get clients? Yeah, I started with my personal network. It's the same thing I suggest yeah. to all of my students today. Start with who you know, whether it's personally or professionally. 
being that I was in a band, we knew quite a few bands that needed basic web design stuff. And of course, like I said, I was doing artwork. And eventually I had to migrate from working with bands who could barely afford a $50 t-shirt to actually making some money and working with clients that had an established mm. budget. So uh, I did kind of migrate from my personal network to people who I knew through my church, through my family circles. And, um, and then I just happened to know a lot of local businesses that I reached out to. I mean, I remember like just literally walking down one of the main streets in, in the city I live in and just going into businesses and, and just talking with people. And I yeah. did get a few clients that way as well. And then I, uh, at that same time, I remember one of the first like big projects I got was the recording studio that we used, which was in my local town. And I found out they needed a website and they had a budget. So mm -hmm. it was it was a little like confidence boosters like that that helped me start getting clients. And then I got into my local chamber of commerce, some networking groups, and then I started building all of my uh, my network organically. So I never, still to this day, my web design agency, which I did sell last year, I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but it was all organic. I never did any paid ads, never did any advertising. It was all referral-based and organic. Yeah. So... You, you had the balls to go face to face the people knock on their door and start a conversation, which um, I actually did when I first, first started doing Facebook chat bots, just started going down the street and talking to people. Um, but I know I mean, you probably were feeling the first, first few 10, I imagine you were feeling like, oh, what's my pitch? What do I even say? Or I got some, yeah, it, it look, some were like pretty cool and some were really nice, but weren't interested. And some just straight up shut the door on me. It also didn't help that I wore a tie. I probably looked like, <laughs> you know, like somebody who was about to try to sell them insurance or, or something like yeah. that. Or if I was like a, a religious group, like it really, I advise drop it. Well, obviously now it's very different even than it was in 2010 when I did that. But uh, yeah, drop the tie, just be you. Um, but it was cool. It, it was a good experience too to to kind of learn about failure early on and how mm. it's it's good to kind of not expect failure, but just know you're not going to land every client. You do want to boost your conversion rates and, and you'll get better and better at that. But yeah, at first it was, and I think this is a probably a valuable a key that early on to sales in general the thing that I think separated from me because I didn't know that much, I didn't know about conversion design. I wasn't the best designer yet. But what I did have was a genuine and authentic care for my projects and for my clients. So the recording studio I mentioned, I will never forget the owner of that. When I went in and talked to him, he was like, I can see it in your eye that you're excited about this and you care. And yeah. that I, I honestly haven't thought about that, Jules, until now. But that's funny him saying that like planted a seed in me that I was like, no matter where my level of skill set or expertise is, as long as I really care and I'm always, I'll figure it out. That's the key. And I think in any industry, having some sense of just figuring it out is that that's key. That's the big one. Yeah. So was that like your big, not maybe not why moment, but motivation for like, Hey, I think I found this thing that I'm really good at and I can get paid for. And that's just what fueled your excitement to keep going. It was definitely a confidence booster. Yeah. And that was the first project I had done some previous that were like $300, $500. I think that project was like a $1,500 project, which back then was like, holy crap, I'm good for like a couple months. I didn't have many bills. I wasn't yeah. in a relationship. I live in my dad's basement because I was traveling in the, you know, the band days all the time. So mm. that was like amazing. So yeah, it was, it was just those little confidence boosters alongside a bunch of little failures and just, you know, working my way through it and making every mistake I could possibly make early on. 
Okay. And I want to hear some of these mistakes because client management has just been one of those skills that I've really had to learn the last year and a half or so. Um, Because it can be tough when you've got, when you set expectations, when you have to set boundaries, um, all these different things to make, to keep clients happy and to also to not do your own head in. So I'm curious to know, like, how do you manage your clients best? Or what were those first failures that you were going through? And then you well, learned a I few think, lessons. Yeah, I think the first few important failures I went through was that, well, first of all, I put cheap on um, some promotion materials when I was passing like brochures and stuff mm. out. And heads up, if you put cheap on any sort of marketing, guess what kind of clients you're going to get? Cheap yep. clients. So cheap, cheap, uh, I learned clients. that pretty early on. I should learn to like attract better clients, which really is just the way you present yourself and how mm. you have your services and what your website looks like and how you come across online with your presence and as a person. So I learned pretty early on to, to try to focus on more relationship type clients um, or relationships that were good with, with people I wanted to work with and who yeah. subsequently wanted to work with me. Um, now the trick is though, I didn't really get to the point where I struggled with balancing a lot of projects until a few years into it. I was just happy to get any project I could back in those days. So I was going to night school, basically doing odd jobs. I did not take my cabinet job back. They did offer it to me like a year Mm. later. They said I could come back, but I was already started making money on the side with web design. And I was like, honestly, I feel like with how much money I'm making on the side, I could I could easily make that instead of going back to the cabinet shop yeah. for 11 bucks an hour. Um, so I just That's stuck it. with it. And, and 11 bucks an hour is nothing. Yeah, yeah. Even back then, I mean, that, that was 2010. That was still, yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was, it was nothing. So um, that's, that was, those are some of the mistakes that I made early on. When it came to getting to a point where my business was legitimate and I did turn it into an actual web design agency, I got it registered with my state, all the bank, and all, you know, did, did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. When I started running the business as a solopreneur and as a freelancer, I started to get better and better clients. Um, my processes got better. I started learning about more about web design and really focusing on my processes. And thankfully, I got out of the band world and started working with actual established businesses through my networking group and Chamber of Commerce and just organic referrals. And then I did get to that point, Jules, where mm-hmm. I did get to a point where since it was just me, I would have anywhere between typically five and 15 projects going on, which yeah, with website designs is really tricky. Um, I got to a whole nother level at that later, which I'm happy to share because at one point I had 23 projects and then I realized I had to crazy, but yeah, early on it it was a, it was a mix. A lot of that. Um, I did find myself working like crazy, crazy hours early on. Mm. Uh, and then I learned this term that I think I coined, I'll take credit for it, but I probably heard it. you process Josh, go for it. So as far as working with a lot of different people, in the web design world, I think this could apply to coaches in different industries. I like to call it space and stagger because some projects are going to start and it seems like no matter what industry, no matter what it is, you always end up like closing on a bunch of projects at the same time. Like I'll, I'll always seem like I would launch like three websites in one week and then the next three weeks I wouldn't launch any. Um, so the way I avoided that was to, to space and stagger, to get started on one get all the onboarding processes in place, get going on content collection and working with the client. And then I would generally have two or three weeks where the ball's in their court, they're getting their stuff together. That time period was the time that I used to design the next site I was building, 
or just kind of schedule it in and again just kind of space and stagger those projects now Yep. At the end of the day, there are literally only so many hours in the day you can't do everything in a service-based business. So once I got to that point in my business, about five or so years into it, then I started hiring workout and then uh, building a, a small team of subcontractors. Yeah, that's really smart. I like space and stagger because it helps avoid, like you just said, that feast famine cycle. And you're pretty much identifying those bottleneck points, which you can split up because otherwise like you just said, the client has to get you all this stuff and then you don't just want to just build it all up and then it's thrown at you all at once because that's just that's just a waste of time. Or it's not a waste of time. It's just going to be so much stress on you trying to deliver it all. I mean, like, man. Yeah, and one of the worst things I think anyone can do is to tell their clients or their customers that they're really busy, that they're delayed or um, making them feel like I've got so much on my plate. That is another mistake I made early on. I... I caught myself pretty early on that, which was just to never say like, I'm just really busy right now or I've got a lot going on. Clients don't want to hear that. Now you can, you can say, you know, you're, you're managing a, a lot of projects or you're working with a lot of folks, but you need to make sure you don't come across like you're overwhelmed or worst case, you make them feel like they're just a number on a spreadsheet or they're just one of 20 other people. So that was something I learned too. And I think with that idea of spacing and staggering, it's great because you can say, here's, you know, here's the deadline of when I need your stuff, here's the timetables. And then you can, again, kind of put the ball in their court and then you can focus on your other projects without making them feel like you're super busy uh, mm -hmm. or, or you're, you're managing 20 other projects. Yeah, that's a really that's good a little, little trick. Yeah, I learned early on. That, that's a really good way of saying saying I'm busy because it's, it's, it kind of says like, I don't give a shit about you. It's like, look, I, I really care and appreciate um, you right now. I'm managing a lot of stuff totally different languaging. And um, that's a good tip. I'm probably going to use myself. It actually can be a benefit too, no matter what industry it is. If you, if you tell somebody like if you're waiting on content or if you're working with people and they're delaying, you can let them know, listen, we do have a lot of other projects going on right now. And in order to get this done in time and to stick to our deadline, I need this by then. Because if you don't, then your project, the way we do it in web design now is, or at least me and my students is we say, this project is going to be essentially on the back burner unless you give us the content we need right now because there are other projects that we're doing which so in a weird way the problem that i had turned into a solution for collecting content from people because i just let them know look we've got to have this stuff done to get it done yeah. in time so yeah yeah it's interesting i that that's another little thing i i, I learned uh on my journey as well as to take some of those problems and then try to make every single one of those a solution in some way. Yeah. And, a and like you just said, into a benefit for them that will make them happy and not make them feel like I'm not really wanted here. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you, so you do a lot of conversion based web design, right? So it's not just a fancy billboard. It actually is designed to get people booked appointments, opt-ins, that sort of stuff. Right. When, when you first started, was it originally like that or is it no. something that you Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> In the beginning, it was so not that. Yeah, uh, there was no idea or method for strategy or conversions yet. It was just what I thought looked nice. Uh, and then as I built sites more and more and as I learned more about web design and, and just looked at sites that were converting well, I learned the power of having a strong call to action and kind of telling what webs telling what people what they should do on a website. 
crafting website journeys. So it's not just information. It's, you know, what do you want somebody to do on your website? Mm. Um, yeah, all those things came into play as I continued to build more and more sites. And then the cool thing about what I learned is, and I'm sure this will translate into or transition to, to when I started teaching is I kind of bottled up everything I knew and started kind of sharing it with others. So uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of valuable stuff. I essentially, when I started teaching, I thought to myself, this is everything I wish somebody would have told me when I got started. Yes. Oh, I definitely want to touch on teaching in just a second. But the reason why I brought up was, did you go from just regular website to conversion focused? Was that when you realized, oh, I can actually promise people a result and show them some past people. I can raise my prices. Is that what happened with you? Once you started showing yeah, you can prove results? Yeah, proving results was big. I think it dawned on me that I shouldn't just be creating a nice website that looks pretty. I should be creating a tool that's going to help my client grow their business. That was like the light bulb moment. That was the, the turning point to charging more and to really building a successful business around web design was just that whole idea of we're not just going to build a pretty website. We're going to make something that is built to be a conversion tool and a, and a sales tool. I mean, it really, it sounds so corny, but your website is or isn't a 24 seven salesperson. So if it's not generating sales and converting leads, that's a problem. You got, you got to get that fixed. You got to hire your web designer. You got to work with somebody to fix that. If it is, awesome and if it's kind of somewhere in the middle then you can tweak it and you can add you know you can you can add and revamp things and yep. yeah it, it really that was the game changer was the idea that we're not just building a, a something pretty to look at we're building something that's going to actually grow their business and suddenly my website prices went from 1200 and 1500 to three to four to five thousand and, and beyond yeah i think that's a really key thing that um that I actually, so what you're just saying there, you realize that you can promise people a tangible result. And um, I work with a lot of clients who, who sell intangible results, like like feelings or emotions. And I just wanted to point this out for the people listening. Like, I don't promise people X clients or money, but it's, it's just like, think about what, what Josh just said. How will my result help you grow your business? Whether it's you've got more energy or you're happier with your family or whatever that result is. So um, and, and it's tricky, like to, to showcase results, it is tricky because it's going to be different for mm -hmm. everybody. And I'm sure this is the same with any sort of coaching as it is in web design. What worked for a local auto mechanic may not work for a different type of website. Um, but what we can do is showcase what worked in this project. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of conversion tips that will translate between any industry for any website. So uh, it is a little tricky sometimes to share results because you don't want to over promise. You also don't want to, you know, promise a result that sometimes it's up to the client to actually do some yeah. things on their end as well. Um, but I think just showcasing the results that you have, like this is so, so underutilized. And that is to just showcase the results that you've already got. And even if it's small, even if you have one client get a couple more leads that month, that is a result. That mm. could be, you don't have to phrase it like that. You could phrase it like your client saw 50% increase if it went from two to four, you know? There's little tricks like that where you can actually and ethically showcase results even if you're early on. And that's what I learned with getting testimonials too because just like everybody in the world these days, we all suffer from some sort of imposter syndrome more than likely to where we feel like there's all these other coaches or consultants or entrepreneurs yeah. that are, you know, more established than I am. And of yes. course I felt this as a web designer, 
But I tell my students all the time, even if you just have three testimonials, showcase those bad boys, put them everywhere, utilize those on your website, social media and other marketing, because that's awesome. Like the, the outside world has no idea that's that, that's your only three yeah. testimonials to exactly. so showcase them. Same thing with a portfolio. If you only work with three clients, put instead of saying like, oh, here's all the work I've ever done, just say here's three like featured projects. And boom, there you go. Suddenly you look established. Nobody knows those are the only three projects you've done so far. So hopefully that's an encouragement to some folks just getting started because it's daunting early on and, and you can feel that imposter syndrome. But at the end of the day, imposter syndrome is just, just basically just bullshit. It's time to time to make a difference and move on. I love that tip. Um, one of the things my coach said is that as soon as you as soon as they get the testimonial while they're happy, not two months down the track, you're like, oh, yes. by the way, can I have that testimonial? Because then yeah, people strike, forget. And strike like that. while the iron is hot, man. Yeah, definitely. exactly. Um, I know we're limited with time. Um, I do, I do want to hear how you how you made that jump from freelancer to business owner to coach. What was that time period like? Yeah, I, I was a solopreneur for about five or six years. So I went pretty far just doing things myself. Um, I enjoyed it though. I think I am a rare breed of person where I can be the technician and the project manager and the owner and still keep my sanity. I, I kind of like that. Yeah, and the marketer. I, I enjoyed that. However, I did get to that point where, like I mentioned earlier, I had like 20, I think it was 23 projects. And I was like, <laughs> how am I going to do this? We were, I was married, yeah. we were expecting our first kid. Um, I had done some subcontracting to other designers periodically, but that's when I got really serious about scaling and growing a, a small team, which that ended up being the, the, the lifesaver for me was I, I was already in some online networks, the web designers. I met some great people, hmm. hired one who did all the design for me. And then I focused on sales and running the business. And then I expanded and had more subcontractors. So I became the owner. And I really only did that for a couple years because I started teaching at that same time as I became an owner, which that was the great thing about scaling my business on a small level too, yep. is it freed me up to be able to teach and do what I really love to do. Cause I, I learned early on that teaching is, is what my true talent and uh, passion is. So you made that transition. So you're growing the business, building the team, being the salesperson and teaching people on the side. And then, and eventually when you sold your business, you had something to run with or well, a lot to run with. Exactly. Yeah. It was a pretty, it was honestly a pretty quick transition. I mean, I was a solopreneur and then a, a, a business owner for really just a couple of years as I started teaching. And when I say I started teaching because I'm in a, a web design community and as the web design community is hungry to learn. So there was some great Facebook groups. I was, I got featured on uh, a, a popular blog uh, website mm -hmm. and I started just sharing what I learned. And because I was active in the business, it helped me out even more because like what I learned in closing a big deal on Monday, I turned it over and used it as a blog post on Friday. You know, so yeah. it was like really timely, like this is what we're doing. I was just really open and transparent about what was working in my business. And I started gaining, gaining a following like that. Uh, I started a YouTube channel with tutorials for web designers. I created my personal brand, which is my website now at joshhall.co, yep. which is where I teach web designers and, and show people how to, to build successful web design businesses. So I started doing that basically just part-time, just as kind of a passion project. And then as I started getting more and more notoriety, 
Um, originally, I was thinking about creating like plugins and WordPress themes and stuff like that, but I kept on getting the same question over and over, and that was, when are you going to do a course? And I never, ever in my wildest dreams thought I would do an online course. I had mm -hmm. no idea how to do it, what was involved, how to manage students, but I figured I would go for it. And so I started a, about a year into having my website out there. Most of my website was just free information. I wasn't making like anything on it at first. Yep. Um, it was just building my authority and producing free content. And then, uh, then I decided to launch my first course. It went over so well. And the big thing for me was I saw the power of going from service-based income to a productized income. So yeah, yeah, I worked my butt off creating this course, but then to just see sales like roll in and then to be sleeping and then wake up the next day. And I remember I, that first course was 297 and I, I sold it for pre-order for 197. And I remember one night I woke up a couple of weeks after I launched there, maybe a couple of days after I launched it, and I sold like two or three courses that night while I was sleeping. So I woke up huh. to like 600 bucks. And I was Make like, money oh, in my wow, sleep. Wow, that, nice. that was cool. So that's what planted the next seed to really go you know, full, full blown into that. So over the next year or so, that was, see my first course was 2018. Um, for the next couple of years, I continued to build courses based off of my experience and uh, do more videos. And then I started my podcast, which is the Josh Hall Web Design Show, mm. which is based off my personal brand. Um, and then in 2020, springtime something really interesting happened uh, other than coronavirus going wild and the <laughs> yes. world changing uh i had an influx of people coming into my courses and i had an influx of people interested in learning web design because they got furloughed or they got yeah. laid off from their quote-unquote stable job exactly and i realized like the timing could not have been better man i had my full suite of courses ready to go at that point and it was so cool for me to be able to to help people get through this transition period. And because a lot of the people who came through my courses at that time, they may have had a web design side hustle, or maybe they did web design 10 years ago. Mm. And then now it was like the best option to, yeah. to help businesses create websites and grow because everybody went online Everyone. in the spring of 2020. It was Everyone I remember that was crazy, that period. Everyone just wanted emails, like, oh, just like throwing money. I'm like, I need to launch something. I'm like, Shh. yes. It's just like, yeah, just I getting mean, everything together. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was wild. So, uh, at that time I realized, you know what? Well, first of all, I was making like way more with courses than I was with web design work because mm. I was putting my focus and passion in there. And I realized I was like, okay, I can continue to run my agency and build a small team and kind of give half-ass effort to, to my course creation business, or I can sell this, turn it over to somebody, and then really focus on what I, I love doing now, which is these courses. So I went that route. And uh, interestingly enough, the guy who purchased my agency was one of my students. So that's, he already knew that's nice. how I designed sites. He, it was kind of like a, it was like a big old SOP, a standard operating procedure in the form of courses, because I showed him how I do my website maintenance plan and hosting and design. And mm -hmm. um, so essentially I saw him take his business to six figures and I felt like he might be a good fit to take over my clients. And, and that's, that's what we did in 2020. That's, uh, that's, that's how I went full time going into courses and then now coaching and consulting through that. Oh, what a story, you know? Oh, so good. Um, I, I would it was love wild, to, man. I mean, I did a, I did a whole hour and a half podcast on just that alone. I'm, I'm condensing a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff into a few minutes, but yeah, that process was wild. 
uh, gearing up to, to sell my business. Well, maybe we can go part two because I know it's a bit later in the day for you and uh, it's a lot of energy to, to keep committing to a podcast. But I do want to follow up with um, what, what's your vision for the next six to 12 months inside of your education coaching business? Well, it's interesting. The The new thing I did recently, and I'm good on time, by the way, there's no big rush. I don't know uh, how, how short you keep your podcast usually, but mine, <laughs> this is why mine often go like an hour and a half and I'm not shy about it because I, I love getting into stuff while the iron is hot. But um, it's interesting with my courses, the The big question is, and I think this is fair for anybody who's a, co- a coach or a consultant, mm-hmm. and that is if I have something like what's the shelf life of a course? Is it ever going to go dry or am I ever going to like eventually just lose all the money if something's not new or, or I have to like what am I going to do with an online course? Well, the cool thing is, at least in web design, I'm constantly refining them. And next up, to answer your question, I'm about to revamp that first course that I put out in 2018. So it's still selling and I have a bunch of strategies for selling courses consistently. Um, But now I can do a version 2.0 of it and do a whole new launch cycle, whole new sales cycle with proven testimonials and results going back to what I said. So that's kind of the next big thing I'm working on right now is revamping a lot of my courses, tuning them. And then one thing that's interesting is I realized more recently I've kind of I've kind of carved out a niche of not only web designers, but web entrepreneurs, folks who are like me, who are doing a podcast or doing a a YouTube channel or doing online courses along with web design services, which is really, really cool. Um, And the cool thing about the internet now is you can Mm -hmm. do anything you want. You you can literally do anything you want to do. So um, that's kind of what I'm focusing on now is kind of branching into that new kind of niche or, or niche as uh, I think you probably say down in Australia. Um, That's right. So it's kind of, it's kind of interesting uh, that I've kind of, I've got two different customer segments now, which this is another valuable point that I learned early on. You've got to intentionally look at like who your target market is. Hmm. And I realized I've got two, I've got people who are learning web design, but I've got these web entrepreneurs who the cool thing about the web entrepreneurs is they're much more likely to invest in something and they're much more hungry. Um, and funny enough, a lot of people came through my podcast. Like I cannot encourage people enough to get a podcast going. I and I'm sure you can back me up in that, Jules. Like it is, it, it's the best. It's just awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of that's what the next year is, is looking like for me is now that I've been doing this for a while, I've been doing this over a year, just actually next month will be a year that I sold my agency. Um, now that I've been doing this for a year, it's time to, to refine and then really work on more lead gens like webinars and free trainings and uh, really boost my content to, to continue to sell courses over and over. And uh, I'm excited to, to kind of take it to the next level and make a bigger impact with I'm, students. I'm excited for you, man. It sounds like you're, you've got, you know, exactly what you want. You've got that clear purpose in mind and um, next chapter for Josh, basically really, really cool. What is that one thing, if you don't mind me asking, that one thing that you're a little bit scared of that you know you need to focus on in order to achieve this big grand vision? I think, I don't want to say I'm afraid of it, but I do have a young family and we're building a house right now. Like our expenses are are continuing to grow and grow. And what's interesting is my business has been able to support that fine over the past mm-hmm. couple of years with courses I think now that I just recently realized I've got kind of these two different target markets, the 
the pressure I feel is, okay, how can I continue to build these courses and create stuff that's going to be sustainable for our lifestyle, basically? Um, we're not extravagant by any means, but you know, we live in a nice house in Columbus, Ohio, and I've got two daughters. And um, I am really big on not working that much. I work really hard when I work, but it's pretty typical for me just to work 25, 30 hours a week right now, which is awesome. Like I'm, yeah. I get to see my daughters grow up. It's incredible. Um, like we just, we just went on vacation. We were gone for a couple weeks traveling before that for some family stuff. And, um, it's really nice to be able to, to do all that. I will say, and I guess the big thing I'm working on, like the biggest challenge that kind of stems out of all this yep. is I've, I feel, I feel like there's big, there's three big things for every entrepreneur, whether it's a coach or consultant, or whatever that, whether we know it or not, we're all likely striving for. Number one is fulfilling work like doing work that you love to wake up for and getting results and testimonials that are, are life-changing and just make you like just before this call, Jules, one of mm -hmm. my, um, one of my students let me know that she don't know. She tripled her income last year and sh she showed me her graph on when she tripled her income. And she was like, this is the point when I got onto your podcast and then got into your courses and then joined your private community. Like that's, she showed me the graph and awesome. that kind of thing is amazing. So fulfillment is there. And look, I love doing web design for clients. I love that, but there's nothing better than helping people at scale and being able to just share your knowledge. So fulfillment's number one. The second one is time, the, the, the time freedom. And Financial freedom is the third one, which I'll talk about, because I think a lot of people look for financial freedom first. Personally, I would rather do work that I love and that I'm not stressed out about and then be able to free my time up more than anything. Like if I had to make less to have a lot more time, I'm, I'm going to take that mm. as long as I can support my family at where we need to be. Um, so time fulfillment is, is the big one. And that's or time freedom. So I've, I've got the first two. The third one I'm working on is financial freedom. Um, like I said, we're at a really good place right now where the business is taking care of us, but I'm really encouraged to take that to the next level. And that's going to take a whole new set of strategies to continue to build my new team out to manage this and to do courses and to do things at kind of a bigger scale. Um, and I don't have any plans on getting a limo or a <laughs> yacht or anything. That's Big Lambo and pose in front of it for Facebook no, ads. It's not the goal. Um, the goal is to be able to just make a bigger impact with not only providing for my family, but for my extended family. And, and I've learned the value of being charitable and, and giving to stuff you're really interested in. And um, that's kind of the, the, the new part. That's, that's the third part to answer your question that is the biggest challenge, I guess, is, is financial freedom. So what yeah. I say, there's fulfillment, that's right. time freedom, yeah. and financial freedom. And in that third one as well, it's like you kind of also mentioned contribution. So finding ways to look outside of yourself to, to give back, which is really important because I've, I've, I've listened to many podcasts of, of people, why they stop finding success or happiness with, with continued success. And it's that last thing they won't be able to switch to that contribution. Um, really, really interesting. It is interesting. And I think it all goes back to start with why, which is a book by Simon Sinek, which mm. is, I know is, is really popular or something that I read early on that, I kind of realized there's a few different whys for most every entrepreneur. Sometimes it's it's out of need or necessity to provide for your family. But once you get past that point, then the question is, all right, if my needs are met and you know I don't need to kill myself for 90 hours a week, 
what's next. And I think that's where giving to things that you're really passionate about or interested in or um, like, for, for example, um, I'm happy to be transparent. My, my first daughter was born with a cleft lip and cleft palate. I didn't know anything about that until we went through that experience. So I find myself very passionate and uh, like that's something I, I want to give towards to help people who have struggled with that and have gone through it. So there's stuff like that, that I think once you get past the facade of like entrepreneurial um, success with Lamborghinis and stuff, which by the way, I think we all know is just total crap now. Like I, I, I think everyone's pretty much past that, you know, we're, I'm so yeah. much more drawn to family-oriented entrepreneurs and people who just want to want to live their, a good version of their life without because you know, it it isn't all about money. Money is definitely important. It'll help you do things and it helps you invest in your business and make more opportunity. It is important, but you do. I didn't mean to take us here, Jules, but no, it, it is interesting idea. thinking when you, when you think about money. Once you get to like quarter million and above that, it's like okay. What, what am I going to do with this? And I think that's where like planning for that and having a real true why to that is, is what's going to make that rewarding. Cause I think it is a slippery slope once you get to a certain point for some people who are just, just focused on money just because it's money. Um, but if you have the why behind that, that's where, um, that's where you want those people to have the money who are going to do good with it. Yeah. And, and like you said, it, it goes back to having that why, but also, are you doing fulfilling work? That's so damn important. Um, yes. Because if you're not freaking enjoying what you're doing, I don't understand why people continue. That's a different topic. And well, and I do think that's why. Sorry, I didn't mean to keep on. That's going. a good. That's I think a good. that's. I think that's why people either don't have that on their radar, and that's intentionally why I said that first. Is because what's the use of doing something you hate doing just for the money? It's not going to end well. Um, and even if you have a lot of time, but you just hate the time that you do work, I mean, it's just not a life of fulfillment. So, um, yeah, I just think that's so important, man. I mean, I know people start, want to start out with financial freedom, but I really feel like that's like that's step three that because if you get yeah. your time back, then you can really work on the financial. Sometimes I guess you could do financial freedom first before time back, but I don't want you to kill yourself 90 hours a week. If yep. you can't serve your audience, if you're killing yourself. Yes. And, and, and it's very, I, f I found personal experience. It's very easy to sh chase shiny objects because you just want the financial freedom rather than building skill sets, which you enjoy, which free up time, which like what you just said, go into the next thing, pay off financial freedom in the long run. Um, yeah. I think that's the key thing, Josh. I think that's a really good way to end this episode. Um, you spoke about awesome, awesome. Your all your awesome courses coming up. You're re, re, revamping a lot of stuff. You've got a podcast yourself. You've got the floor now to do a bit of promotion for yourself. Well, I guess uh, you know. I know I'm not talking to web designers, but I, I do have a podcast that is very entrepreneurial. Um, we do talk a lot about a web design specific stuff, but we also have very broad, more entrepreneurial kind of stuff. So uh, I guess if anyone's pretty jazzed up with this conversation and wants to know more, of course, you can go to my website at joshhall.co just to check things out. Um, but I would say, you know, if you're on a podcast app right now, just check out the Josh Hall web design show. Um, since we're talking with a lot of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. I'll highlight an episode I would recommend checking out. Um, I recently had Pat Flynn. Uh, who is uh, oh, nice. is pretty pretty up there in the entrepreneurial ranks. Yep. Yep. He's one of my mentors. I've been through a lot of his courses. I was really uh, excited to have him on for episode 100 of my podcast. And that interview, man, 
it is well worth the I think fifty seven minutes I had him on it. He dissed out so many good gems of advice for all entrepreneurs. So if you want to know more and want to check that out or want to check something good out, uh, yeah, check out episode 100 of my podcast, The Josh Hall Web Design Show. I promise it'll be worth your time. I'm going to absolutely leave your website. I'm going to leave that podcast in there. And um, if I'm going to leave your email in there if, if anyone wants to drop you a question at all. Um, but, you know, thanks a lot for coming on the show today, Josh. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on, Jules. Hopefully this was fun. Hey, this is Jules here. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast. I really appreciate it. So if you want to go check out my guests, freebie, what they spoke about, learn a little bit more about them, maybe they've got an event they spoke about on the podcast, you're going to find all the information below in the podcast notes. And on top of that, if you really enjoyed the podcast, if you absolutely loved Storytelling Secrets, I'd really appreciate it if you go leave a review on iTunes. It helps get the podcast out to more people and uh, I'd be really, really grateful. On top of that, if you leave a review, a written review, I'd be more than happy to read it out on air. So you're more than welcome to drop a note, say hello to a friend, promote your business, whatever. The mic is yours, so to speak. So other than that, thank you so much for listening. Go leave a review and I'll see you next time on the podcast.